not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kinder Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. This is Kinder Outdoors. Thanks a lot for joining us around the campfire today. We greatly appreciate it. Front Door to the Camp House is brought to you by Calming Care from Purina. Calming Care is a probiotic for your dog that also very gently, over time, settles the over-anxious dog. You know, that thunderstorm comes through and he tears up the carpet, scratches the doors, tears up the furniture. Calming Care helps with that. Learn more about Calming Care from Purina when you visit me at kinderoutdoors.com. K-I-N-D-E-R like kindergarten. Hey, next weekend we'll be bringing you the show from Shreveport, Louisiana, and the Crappie Expo, the third annual. And I want to talk to my buddy Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie, about that. Welcome back, Waldo. I'm glad to be back, man. I'll tell you what, you know, it's just been one heck of a year, man, just getting prepared for the Crappie Expo at Shreveport, Louisiana. Yep, it's coming up next weekend. It's just a week away now, and I bet you're not even sleeping at night. I've got 25 plates in the air, six of them wobbling, got two of them cracked, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Crappie Expo is going to be in Shreveport, Louisiana this year. Now, it's moved every year. It started in Hot Springs a couple of years ago, and then it moved to Branson, Missouri. And then you threw everybody a curveball and moved it to Shreveport. What determines where you're going to go with Crappie Expo? I like to hold the uh, Mr. Crappie Invitational $250,000 tournaments, places where crappie fishermen haven't been before. A lot of tournaments are held on certain lakes, and everybody's got a brush pile, and everybody's got all this structure in the lake. I make it fair for all the contestants, if they're coming from Connecticut, coming from Florida, all over the United States to compete for $100,000 first place. How about that? 250000 overall uh, to be handed out next weekend on the Red River. Now, you're going to have weigh-ins. If people are into crappie fishing, they can actually come out to the launch and the weigh-in, right? Oh, yes. Actually, uh, September the 30th at 7 a.m., we will be launching right there at Red River South Marina, off of Highway 71, south of Bossier City. It's actually 250 Red River South Marina Road in Bossier City, if people are looking for that location. And, man, we're going to have Cajun food. We're going to have we're gonna have a party out there, Bill. <laughs> and that's this coming Thursday. Uh, the fishing gets started on Thursday, this Thursday, September 30th. What time is the launch? What time is the weigh-in so that folks can plan their day? Thursday the and Friday is, at, at the boat ramp. The launch will be at 7 o'clock, and the weigh-in will be at 3 o'clock each day. Okay. We'll start Thursday out with 104 boats on Thursday, and then on Friday we cut the field to 50. So there'll be 50, the top 50, going to for the $100,000 to get down to the final 25 for Saturday, and Saturday's weigh-in will be at the Shreveport Convention Center live on main stage. Let's talk about that expo a little bit. Uh, On Friday, you're going to kick the doors open for the third annual Crappie Expo. Yes, sir. It's going to be at 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Friday, October the 1st. Saturday is going to be from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., 
And on Sunday, it's from 10 to 5. Each day, we have a concert at 1 o'clock. We got Mary Heather Hickman on Friday. She's got a new hit. There's a body in the Washita River. Man, I'm telling you, it's a killer song. We also got Jason D. Williams on Saturday uh, from Memphis coming in to play that piano. I love Jason D. Jason D. is the bomb, man. (laughs) You know, you get to come to the Crappie Expo. It's $10 to get in for adults. Kids 15 and under get in free. And, And on Saturday, we have the world's largest crappie fry. Yeah. At, you know, all you have to do is get in line and eat that good crappie. It's a lot of fun. And vendors, everybody in the fishing industry is going to be there. Yes. this The Crappie Expo was designed for the fishy, crappie fishing industry, manufacturers that produce crappie fishing products, or anything that a crappie fisherman would use will be at the show. And so what's cool about it, it's in October, so they're getting to see all of the new 2022 products and actually purchase them before they go to the shelves in the spring. Yeah, and you don't want to miss this. If you crappie fish, bank fish, boat fish, dock fish, whatever, come on out and have fun with us in Shreveport. It's coming up. The, the uh, tournament starts this coming Thursday, and then the Crappie Expo is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Bill, we're giving away $10,000 on Saturday cash to one lucky person and also $10,000 on Sunday. <laughs> we're not going to do it once, we're going to do it twice. Waldo, I look forward to seeing you out on the boat ramp this coming Thursday morning at 7 o'clock when we send them off. Hey, thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you in a little bit. <laughs> Mr. Crappie Wally Marshall. Third Annual Crappie Expo, Shreveport, Louisiana. It's coming up next weekend. We'll be there. Fortiflora is America's number one canine probiotic. You really, if you own a dog, you ought to have Fortiflora in the fridge because all of our dogs encounter GI upset from time to time. And Fortiflora fixes that. Order it from Chewy.com. Hi, everybody. It's World Championship caller Al Morris. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. You might hunt the south pasture or maybe the double tanks. You've watched that big 10-point for four years now. Maybe he'll show up. Or maybe it's a doe you'll hang in the cooler tonight. We're almost out of sausage links and taco meat. Maybe a pig will come by today. Among all the maybes, there is an absolute. Take your wild game to Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing. The Masakio family and their decades of family recipes will have your guests at a whitetail dinner complimenting you on the beef because we the way we season them and then we we cry back them vacuum seal them and then let them sit and then we put them in the freezer so it, the the spices get to work on the meat for a little bit if you'll cook them just like a regular fillet you know like medium rare or rare it's perfect i mean it's you can't tell the difference cinnamon creek wild game processing cinnamoncreekranch.com Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall, the Dead Rabbit Lodge. (laughs) You see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. 
the dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes, is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits, therefore the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Oahe. The view from your giant Western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the Dead Rabbit. U.S. Highway 287 carries elk hunters and fly fishers, snow skiers and bird dog chasers, 72-ounce steak eaters, varied Cadillac picture takers, antelopers, prairie doggers, and rattlesnakers. The Herdware Store sits on Highway 287 near Goodnight, Texas. Now, only 18 people live around here, so to keep the lights turned on, we need you 287 travelers to stop by. Come in out of the weather and take a look at the most unique store between the Gulf and Pacific coasts. One-of-a-kind artwork, jewelry, knives, and more. Feel the luxurious softness and warmth of bison socks, gloves, hats, beanies, blankets, and scarves. You'll think it's cashmere, and it's warmer than wool. Our sister company, Buffalo Wool, produces the finest bison products on the planet. The herdware store is boots and shoes, bison blankets and throws, even bison meats for the road. The Herdware Store, 42 miles southeast of Amarillo. Hey, drop by right now at herdware.net. Do you love to crappie fish much as I do? Hey, Mr. Crappie, Wally Marshall inviting you and your family to the Crappie Expo in Shreveport, Boulder City, October 1, 2, 3. The Crappie Expo is for everyone that loves to fish. More than 100 crappie fishing exhibits feature today's top gear, boats, electronics, and much more. The Mr. Crappie Invitational features the top 100 teams in America going head-to-head in the Red River Shootout Crappie Tournament. A quarter of a million is up for grabs. The richest crappie tournament in history. Don't miss the world's largest crappie fry at 11 o'clock on Saturday the 2nd. Fried crappie, taters, hush puppies, mmm, mmm. I'm also giving away $10,000 on Saturday and again on Sunday. You must be at the Crappie Expo to win. Cash is king. Crappie Expo 2021 is brought to you by Ford Trucks, Lose, Strike King, Riceland Rice Bran Oil, Humminbird, The Boat Shop, and Bayou Outdoors Superstore. CrappieExpo.com. Hey, CrappieExpo.com. Wow. We the people and our right to bear arms and our right to free speech gather here. This is Kinder Outdoors. A little cool front blew through this week for a lot of folks, and it feels mighty good. This uh, fire feels pretty good this morning, too. Friends around the campfire like Jay Stein from the Quail Coalition. Welcome, Jay. Good to see you, Billy. Tell me a dove hunting story because, I've, you know, uh, I've heard a rumor floating around that you actually shot a limit of birds and you're only the second guy this year I've heard that about. Yeah, I had good and bad. I had the uh, evening before, hard hard to find them, and got two birds, and in the morning, just right place, right time, shot a limit in about two hours, and felt very fortunate. I thought it was going to be a pretty slow day, and it lit up pretty good. Just yeah. You went out to West Texas, and uh, you hunted uh, as a crow flies just a few miles from where I had hunted just a week earlier, and now I know why I didn't kill any birds. They were over there where the crow had flown. 
That's right, yeah. And I took care of them. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, I tell you what, uh, you look at West Texas when you drive through it like I do. You've got a quail eye, and uh, you're looking at habitat and cover and getting pretty excited, I guess. I know that's what I was thinking. For sure, and I mean, all of West Texas, all the way out, you know, have the privilege to go to New Mexico this summer, and even out there, it's just as green as I've ever seen it, and West Texas, plenty of cover, plenty of vegetation, and unfortunately, it dried out a little bit in August, but, uh, you know, May, June, and July, and uh, which helped for an extended nesting season, which we're hearing about, so uh, we didn't have a lot of birds coming into the season, but hopefully we'll have quite a bit more coming out. Isn't it amazing uh, how a bobwhite quail population can get down to where you think there's just, there ain't no birds left. And then next year, you might find 18, 20 cubbies a day. Well, that's where we were in 2016 and 17. Yeah. Uh, 2013 was a really bad drought, and, and a lot of people gave up. And 14 and 15 were a little better, and then boom, uh, 16 and 17 were 50 covey days. And uh, people got back into quail hunting, and unfortunately it took a, a turn down for the last couple of years, and hopefully this is a sign that yeah. things are going to start booming again. Yeah, it's always been on a, a scale up and down, up and down a roller coaster, and hopefully we're on our way back up. We've got Dale Rollins on the show today, too, talking uh, about quail. He always puts his quail forecast together uh, about this time of year, and he's done that again, so we want to talk to him uh, about that. Where do you like to quail hunt? Where do you go? Uh, well, I've got a family place up in Clay County. Unfortunately, not so many birds there anymore, but we do have a huntable population. But uh, I know you got a bunch of Rio Grande turkeys. I've shot a couple of them. Yeah, I've seen a few. <laughs> they're, they're down by the river. We're, yeah. we're not far from the Red River, and they come up. Uh, but love to hunt out in the Rolling Plains, Albany, uh, Shackleford County, and yeah. you know, uh, occasionally get invited out to Colorado City and Big Spring, and uh, obviously South Texas. If I can ever get down to South Texas, there's some great hunting down there, too. Yep, there is. Uh, West Texas, uh, western Oklahoma, the, the last bastion, as we like to say, uh, for the bobwhite quail uh, anyway. And folks come from all over the world, uh, Jay, uh, to hunt Texas quail. Uh, it's a really special thing and a special experience. Right, yeah. And there's, I mean, I have no through a couple of connections of the family or a couple of guys that come down from Pennsylvania and Ohio every year and hunt for a couple of weeks, and that's kind of the highlight of their year. And, uh, yeah, if you want to go wild bobwhite quail hunting, it's kind of Texas and, and maybe Georgia and Florida, but uh, Texas is obviously a little different landscape than Florida and Georgia with the, yeah. the open prairies and plains. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, keep it going for years to come. You bet. Absolutely. Uh, so when you mentioned bobwhite quail and West Texas quail hunting and South Texas quail hunting, you're you're uh, talking to people in Florida and New York, and I, I, I went to uh, Arizona one time to hunt the little Merns quail, and, and it was a particularly good year. Pete Delkus and I went, and, uh, and we got there, and there were people from China that had come to hunt those Merns. You know, it's... It's uh, one of those deals, kind of like hunting pheasants in South Dakota, uh, West Texas, South Texas, the Bob White Quail. It's important that we study and take care of these birds, and that's what Quail Coalition is all about. Uh, when did Quail Coalition get get its start? Uh, give us a little bit of history and and some accomplishments through the years. What what has uh, what is it, what have we done as an organization? Yeah, we started in 2009. There were a few original chapters of Quail Unlimited, and Quail Unlimited was kind of on decline, and the, the Park City's Quail chapter was the first one to break away, and then all the other Texas chapters joined them, and so that's been about 12 years, and we've raised well over $15, 20000000 million combined, and 
Uh, I like to think that we've spurned uh, the quail research. You've got quail tech, which is emerging, and uh, Borderlands Research Institute focuses more on quail. Caesar Clayburg, obviously, uh, the Rolling Plains Quail Ranch. I mean, we, we've we've seen a lot of quail programs really emerge and thrive, and hopefully that's because of the infusion that we're we're putting in for, you know, all the money we we raise, and and we raise money through state dinners and raffle tickets and. Uh, we have very little overhead, so there's no, no offices or headquarters, and uh, we put as much money back on the ground through the research programs and Habitat as we can, and, and keeping the kids involved yeah. through youth programs and, and hunting camps and fishing camps, things like that. Yeah, which is so very important. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, some very important research that has been taking place in Florida through the years, and now that same research has moved to East Texas. Man, if, if anybody knows about the problems that East Texas has had with quail populations. It's going to be these guys that have been studying Florida for a long time. Right, and, and Tall Timbers has been out there, and they've kind of revolutionized the, the quail hunting in the uh, pine savannas. And, uh, you know, we started funding them, even though they weren't in Texas, just because we liked what they were, right. were doing. And uh, they've now started this East Texas program with Brad Kabechka and Know, trying to restore bobwhite quail where there just aren't really any any left. So, but it, it does. It's intensive. A lot of supplemental feeding and habitat management. So it'll be exciting to see what they come up with for the next decade at least. Every quail hunter's got a dog that he likes to be asked about. So tell me about yours. Well, I've got an English pointer, uh, Bo, and uh, bought him at one of our quail coalition auctions. Really, that's a cool story. Yeah, we down in South Texas they usually auction off a female and a male, and I got a male and. Uh, Send him off to the trainer because I'm kind of a novice on that stuff, and he really turned him around, and he's won a couple of little amateur field trials, and he is quite a, a stylist dog. I mean, he's he's fun to watch, and yeah. when when he points, it's a it's a sight to behold, and yeah. uh, he'll even retrieve a little bit, even though pointers aren't aren't known for that. But yeah, uh, they're, yeah. they're usually pretty anxious to go find that next bird. Right, and I've got a female on the way. She's up in okay. South Dakota working her way back down here. Just a, a puppy that was born this year, so. Excited to mix her into the, the kennel. Heck yeah, nothing like turning those puppies loose and they get a, a snoop full of that, that covey of birds, and uh, it's a pretty special day. Sometimes you watch them, the light comes on, we say, you know, where they, they go from move from an adolescent to, uh, to a bird dog, a sure enough bird dog. Hey, if folks want to learn more about the Quail Coalition, and by the way, it used to be the Texas Quail Coalition. That's not the story anymore, and we're going to talk later in the show about how Quail Coalition has out has grown out from Highland Park, Texas, to across the state of Texas, and now across the United States uh, on, on the grow. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Some banquets coming up we need to talk about in a little bit, too. Sure. Yeah, we've got... Finally getting back into the swing. COVID took us down last year, but uh, we've got some banquets coming up in October and November. Looking looking forward to getting people back engaged and raising some more money for quail. Have a cup of coffee. Have a uh, sausage and biscuit. Hang out with us a while, Jay. We're going to visit some more. Uh, you bet. That's my friend Jay Stein with the Quail Coalition. And like I said a few minutes ago, Dr. Dale Rollins is going to join us from West Texas to give us his Quail forecast, he puts one together this time of year every year. It's been a rainy year, a buggy, weedy kind of year. West Texas just looks great. So does that mean a bumper crop of quail this fall? We'll see what Dr. Dale's research has come up with so far. I know the biologists in Texas are all fired up about deer season. They say that this is going to be a white-tailed deer season for the books in Texas anyway. 
If the fawn recruitment predictions hold true this season, hunters can expect to see an increase in overall statewide deer population. Bow season opens up here in Texas next Saturday. I know a lot of you guys have been after it already for a month in some places. You know what? We're going to take a quick break, and that gives me a chance to sling about a dozen arrows real quick. I'll meet you right back here. We're going to pick up our conversation with Jay Stein of the Quail Coalition, then Dr. Dale Rollins and his quail forecast. This is Wayne LaPierre, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Some of the most outstanding memories in Brendan's young life have been the hunting trips that he takes with Dad. Duck, doves, quail. But the good times aren't just reserved for the dove field or the deer blind. They all start in the cab of that classic Chevrolet when you pull out of the drive. Um, the corner store gets snack and we either stop at Bucky's. Because it's Bucky's. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun hiding from the cold with Dad in a duck blind. And the ice doesn't seem that bad out in that old flat bottom boat for a little while. A decoy, he starts it up. And sometimes the decoys make noises, I think. Or if it does, if that doesn't work, he just uses his call. And then they just come, but sometimes we come back with nothing. But home away from home is that classic Chevrolet. I love sleeping in the car and then waking up still in the car so I can just feel the comfort knowing that it will be fun. At Classic Chevrolet, we sell memory makers. Come get yours. ClassicChevrolet.com. Don't head to the country without stopping at Teskey's Outdoors and Weatherford. I'm Randy Jackson reminding you that we are on the way to the ranch just west of Weatherford on the south side of Interstate 20. We have rifles, pistols, shotguns, all from dependable names like Smith & Wesson, Browning, Beretta, Christensen, Megara, Six Hour, Winchester, and many more. Be sure to ask about our used gun selection too. Teskey's Outdoors can deck you out for the field and the boat with outdoor wear from Patagonia, Cool, Sims, Howler Brothers, Ariat, Free Fly, Sitka, North Face, and many others. We are a one-stop shop on your way to the Rancher Lease with ammo for ducks, dove, quail, deer, varmints, and even tin cans. Heck, you can buy your hunting and fishing license at Teskey's Outdoors in Weatherford. Bring the trader, deer blinds, feed, and feeders available too. We have what you need and what you forgot to pack when you left the house. Teskey's Outdoors on the south side of I-20, just west of Weatherford. Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, 
Then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com. Dove hunting in Argentina is well documented, but as my friends at JJ Caseria, Cordoba Doves will tell you, the duck hunting is unmatched anywhere in the world. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative for JJ Caseria. The duck lodge uh, is in Corrientes. We shoot 30 ducks in the morning and 10 per days in the afternoon. We have 11 different species of ducks. We have a duck season from the 15th of April to the 31st of August. You are assured before you ever leave American soil that you're going to feel welcome and at home when you hunt with your new friends at J.J. Casaria. Our lodge is beautiful. It's four years old. It has 10 double bedrooms, all with private baths, all heated and air-conditioned. Uh, it's very comfortable. We don't put on air, so you'll feel as relaxed in the lodge as you do in your living room. Hunt world-class doves and ducks in Argentina. Plan next year now by visiting CordobaDoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. In God We Trust, that fishing story you just told, not so much. Come on, it's camp house time at Kinder Outdoors. Hey, welcome back, and thanks for being here. Come see me at kinderoutdoors.com, and take a look at this giant elk that Dwayne Kramer shot. It still needs to be panel scored at the 31st Big Game Awards by Boone and Crockett, but the current entry score for this giant elk, is a whopping 455 Boone and Crockett points. It may be the new world record. And he's on the bragging board at kinderoutdoors.com. I know you're wondering, Pennsylvania. That's where that monster bull came from. Congratulations, Dwayne. I want to rejoin my friend Jay Stein with Quail Coalition now. Jay, let's talk about upland bird hunting just a minute. and Let's talk about the guns we use to chase them, pursue them, what is, in your opinion, the perfect quail gun? Well, I probably could talk for hours on that, but you know, for me personally, I've got a Beretta Silver Pigeon 20 gauge. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, I'm not. not you know, I know a lot of guys with 28 gauge, but I'm not quite that proficient with a gun. <laughs> but uh, the 20 gauge is just a good all-around gun. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Berettas. I've had that gun for eight or ten years and never had a single issue with it. So yeah. it just keeps on running. I've got a couple of old Ruger red labels that I have fired, literally one of them, hundreds of thousands of rounds through. And the only thing I've ever done uh, to it is I broke the forearm. It was my my fault when I was cleaning the gun one time. But uh, a little over and under, Ruger red labels, uh, you need something kind of lightweight because you can't, you're not sitting still like dove hunting and leaning that thing against a tree or in a duck blind. You're walking. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's... In West Texas, you cover a lot of ground, and yeah. the, the, the 
I've been on some lucky to been on some quail hunts in Georgia and Florida, and you're more horseback and yeah. not walking a lot. But yeah, you can put some miles on in West Texas, and yeah. you don't want to be lugging around a heavy gun, that's for sure. Yeah, get something you can uh, carry. Uh, we were talking earlier in the show about the Quail Coalition, how it began uh, in the Highland Park area of Dallas. Uh, Boone Pickens was instrumental uh, back in the early days of supporting uh, Quail Coalition. Uh, we miss him a lot. He's been gone now a couple of years, but uh, boy, he he really helped with his influence uh, put that banquet on the map. That's right, and uh, it, it got us a lot of momentum through the state. Uh, he he was very gracious in letting us use his name. We named our award after him, and had some great honorees and was lucky to have him in attendance at the banquet every year uh, right up until his passing. And, yeah, we certainly miss him. And uh, just his, you know, still using his name, we still we get a lot, a lot of doors open that way. Yeah. His name is synonymous and forevermore will be with Park City's Quail, uh, with that particular chapter of Quail Coalition. Uh, we, we said earlier that, uh, this uh, we're known as Quail Coalition now, but it started as the Texas Quail Coalition. Uh, and like we were talking earlier, a lot of people outside the boundaries of, of the Red River and the Rio Grande love to hunt bobwhite quail or blue quail or whatever. So really, it's just the Quail Coalition. You benefit quail everywhere. That's right, and we have a lot of members from out of state. We've got you know. I've had a lifetime member from New Jersey the other day. Wow. You know, had to check on him after the floods, but uh, yeah, you know the, the the home range of quail is you know Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, all the way over to Texas, and uh, it's not so much anymore. But yeah. there's a lot of interest out there, and you know a lot of people that grew up quail hunting that may have to travel a little further, but they still still stay involved. Yeah. Um, so as the Quail Coalition now grows from Texas, and we've got chapters all over Texas, we're going to be talking about those banquets in a minute. As the Quail Coalition grows beyond Texas, where is that growth? Where is the interest early on that you're seeing? Well, uh, obviously Oklahoma. It's our neighbor and uh, still a big quail hunting state. Yeah. Uh, and we'd love to get a chapter, Tulsa and Oklahoma City probably. Uh, but, you know, we've got a meeting in October in Alabama. There's some interest out there. Uh, we had a couple of prospects going pretty good until COVID hit and kind of, you know, mm. put the brakes on everything. But uh, we've talked to some folks in Tennessee, and there's a lot of interest with our kind of partnership with Tall Timbers, Florida and Georgia, South Carolina. Um, so, yeah, we've got, we've got a, lot of, a lot of potential there to expand, and uh, people really like our model that they can raise all the money. And, it, you know, there's a lot of organizations say the money stays local, but it truly they, they control their own yeah. bank account and have access to where they want that money to go. So right. it's really a grassroots organization with not much overhead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so if people wanted to, they're listening to this uh, this morning, and, and they would like to learn more. They have, they've got some buddies, and they all go to South Texas and hunt quail every year. But they think that a, a quail coalition chapter uh, there in Missouri or wherever they live is a good idea. What do they do? Uh, you can email me. Uh, the easiest email is info at quailcoalition.org. Uh, we have the website, quailcoalition.org. There's a, a button to get more info, but that's the easiest way is to get a, an email straight to me. Yeah. Bird hunters, quail hunters, uh, bird dog folks, I'll put it that way, bird dog folks uh, travel a lot. Uh, man, I've hunted all over the United States with my bird dogs. Uh, where do you like to go when you go out of state, and what do you like to hunt other than quail? Well, uh, I don't have a lot of experience, but I love to go to South Dakota every year. I've got a lot of friends that go to Montana and hunt 
chucker and sharp tail and uh, grouse. I, I'd love to do that. I just haven't haven't been able to do it. It's on my bucket list. But you got to go. I, I took a trailer load of dogs up there for years and years and years. And there's one place, Jay, that I hunt up there that's 96,000 acres, and I was the only bird hunter on the whole thing. All I had to do was sign my name at the gate. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, as I said earlier, I've got a puppy up there training right now, so maybe she'll find all, yeah. <laughs> all the good spots. But, yeah, you can count on me to be up in South Dakota in November, December on a pheasant hunt. and uh, It's a little different style of hunting, but it's a lot of fun hanging out with some guys. And, yeah sharing some stories. That's a whole lot of fun. Uh, the research uh, for our quails everywhere, I mean, if it's the Merns quail in Arizona, the Bob White or the Blue in Texas, the Scale quail, wherever they may be, California quail, whatever, uh, they will all benefit from the research uh, provided by the dollars that fund this research from Quail Coalition. Some different chapters around the state of Texas with upcoming banquets. They're a lot of fun if folks want to go. Right, and you you know you hit the nail on the head. We it's not just Bob White Quail. We've got some projects. The Park Cities Quail Coalition has funded for a couple of years on the Montezuma Quail, mm -hmm. uh, Merns Quail, and uh, the Midland Chapter Permian Basin. They do a lot of focus on blue quail as well as Bob White Quail. So, yeah. yeah so we've got banquets coming up starting in October. We'll have the Cross Timbers Banquet in Fort Worth, always a great event. And then uh, November, we've got the Hill Country Banquet on 11/11, November 11th, and then. Uh, Permian Basin, our newest chapter in Midland, will be November 18th, the following week, and they got off to a great start. Uh, they had a banquet in 2019 pre-COVID and raised $200,000 their first year. Wow. So we're looking forward to, to seeing how they uh, expand on that. And then uh, Park City's Quail will be back around March 3rd, and uh, San Antonio unfortunately had to postpone theirs just as the COVID spikes in the fall. But uh, They'll be March 3rd as well, so we'll have two banquets. We try not to schedule them on the same day, but sometimes it's just so hard to work around yeah. schedules and timing. So, uh, And then uh, our South Texas chapter was supposed to have a banquet August 28th and had to move theirs to online, so their online auction will end uh, October 3rd. So we'll have some links on our – if you follow us on Facebook, we'll put some links up on how to participate in that online auction and help support their chapter. The one that's hardest to get a ticket to, that Park City Squail Banquet, next March, March 3rd. Uh, keep your ear to the railroad track and know when those tickets are coming because if you don't jump on the front of that train, you ain't getting on. Yeah, and, you know, last year was even tougher because we had a limited occupancy, but we're hoping to, to get things open back up to get – Oh, 1,100 or 1,200 people in the room if we can. They'll be on sale any day now, uh, definitely by October 1st. Uh, we normally send it out some, somewhere in September. It's been as late as October, but we're just buttoning up all the editing on the, the releases and registration forms. But we'll be honoring Walter Mattia, who wow. has provided some great art for us over the years and helped us raise a lot of money. Uh, yeah. He's designed the T. Boone Pickens Lifetime Sportsman Award that, that we give away every year. And... Uh, Helped us raise over 100000 last year with his uh, limited edition bronze sculpture that uh, we kind of did a pre-sale and 40 people bought them. So uh, wow. he's very deserving, and we'll have a lot of information out on him soon. Jay Stein and the Quail Coalition doing great work for our quails. Just the Quail Coalition, and yes, you can have a chapter there in New Jersey, wherever. That's right, yeah. Anywhere you can get a group of volunteers together, we'll get you a chapter going. I'm Delmer Smith. When I'm not in the great outdoors... I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. The Quail Coalition, the backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails. 
and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun, or listened from the porch to the summer song of the Bob White, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com. Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted in just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read, because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey... That's phony. This is, this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read The Tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The Tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. For the land of the free and the home of the brave. From high school gyms to towering stadiums, every time I see our flag wave, I feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free. I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me. Heroes who charged in the battle through bombs and bullets, who lost their brothers and still pushed through fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore. Men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing we're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place.
coffee's always on, and the conservation is always good. Make sure you bring a youngin' or two. Together, let's teach them what heritage and tradition looks like. This is the Big Billy Kinder Outdoors Camp House. one 820 bbko That is my telephone number here in the old camp house. one 820 2256 And the website is Kinder, K-I-N-D-E-R, KinderOutdoors.com. Drop off a picture for the bragging board. I mentioned that giant elk up on that bragging board this week. Well... Hey, Michael Brown is a dandy, and he's on that bragging board, too. He's five years old, Rio Rancho, New Mexico. He's got his ball cap on. He's got his sunglasses on. He's got his Spider-Man fishing pole, and he's got his bluegill in his hand right next to that big grin posing up. And he's on the bragging board at KinderOutdoors.com. Go check him out. Let's jump on that Kinder Outdoors trot line right now and head out to wonderful West Texas and talk to Dr. Dale Rollins. Dale, it's always a pleasure. Always good to hear from you, Billy. Uh, you know, it's that time of year where we want to know uh, what you're hearing from around the country. Nobody's got their finger on the pulse of the Bob White quail of Texas or, or the blues any better than uh, than you. So how are things shaping up? It's been a wet year and there's lots of cover. Well, Billy, I think overall people will be disappointed. Uh, we're, we're seeing more birds, but when they see the habitat and the, they see the rainfall records, they think if the rains will have quail. It's rained, but we don't have nearly the quail that that I, that you think we do it based on the habitat and the rainfall. And I think the biggest reason for that is we at least I'm talking about the rolling plains in West Texas right now. Uh, we just didn't have the breeding stock over the last couple of years to capitalize on the good weather. And so uh, I'm thinking about it like the stock market. You know, you could be in a bull stock market, but if you didn't have any money to invest, you're not going to make much on your principal thing. And that's kind of where we're at. Um, I, I canvas my, what I call my quail trap line, which is 70 or 80 people across West Texas and South Texas. Most of these are anecdotal reports. They're not based on research, but they're they're folks like you, Billy, that pay a lot of attention when you're out and you know your quail and you know what they've been and so forth, and so you're always concerned about them. And most of those scores uh, were probably in the three range, uh, some better, a couple worse. Um, blue quail numbers in West Texas, again, for the most part, not very good, maybe a little bit better than last year but not very good. Now, having said that, I got to say things may be better than what gloomy forecast tells, and that is we've had a significant late hatch, birds being seen and uh, broods being seen in in August. Uh, Here we are in mid-September, still getting brood reports. We still have two quail, two radio-collared quail, sitting on nest right now at, at the Rolling Plains Crow Research Ranch. So most of the time, I wouldn't say that it really adds all that much to our quail crop, but there's a potential this year, I think, for it to be a notch or two better on my 1 to 10 scoring system because of this late. Well, that is a uh, that is a bright spot. <laughs> um, how many times, Dale, just curious, uh, how many times on average will a bobwhite quail nest over a summer, and what's the most you've ever seen? Oh, probably on average, I'd say about 1.2 nesting attempts per hen. 
Uh, we've had, uh, and you got to always separate, Billy. How many times will a hen nest? In other words, if one is broke up by a raccoon, she's going to re-nest. If nest two is broke up, and if it's not just deadly hot and deadly dry, she'll try again. But she might try up to four attempts. Now, the other side of that is how many broods do they produce? So, in other words, if hen one is sitting on this clutch of eggs and she hatches them, well, then she often will leave them with the daddy, with the rooster, and she'll go off and mate with another rooster and try to raise a second clutch. That's what we call double brooding, and you got to separate that from re-nesting because the re-nesting attempts are always going to be higher than the number of birds that actually do raise two or more broods. I think there was a bird up in uh, Iowa many years ago that was documented to had like four nests. But if we could get, uh, surely if we could get two nests for him, he'd be living living in top cotton. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a fellow was asking me about this this past week, uh, that massive freeze that we had back in February, prolonged uh, cold weather, sub-zero weather for a couple of days, three days for some people. Um did that affect our quail, or are they hardy enough to, to weather that? I think it had a significant effect, Billy. Um, we don't necessarily have the proof of that, so I guess I should say I speculate that it did. At the Quail Research Ranch and two other ranches where we were dealing with radio mark birds, we didn't see, we did not see acute mortality, birds that were frozen to the ground kind of thing. But then over the next month, we had some really high mortality rates that we believe those birds were stressed from that cold period and thus probably more available to the uh, predator population, those hawks or mammals or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of things in the real world out here that have been happening three to four months late, what I would call plant phenology. Plant flowers on uh, June 1 and what would be late June. So possibly tropical, uh, not tropical, winter storm, Uri, uh, could have uh, messed up our clock just a little bit, if you will, and that could be the reason that we're seeing the, the pulse of late hatches that we, we've seen. The birds that went into breeding season May 1 may have been stressed, again, suffering from stress from that winter storm, and it's taken them a while to come out of it. And, and anybody that's had COVID, I'm not saying quail have COVID, but I have, and once you have COVID and you're trying to recover, it's it's two to six weeks before you feel like this thing kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, give us a give us a a bright spot. Is there a county or two where you've raised an eyebrow and said, "Huh, those folks are are coming along a little better than most everybody else." Well, I could tell you about South Texas. South Texas is pretty much on fire again. It's the third year in a row that while in the doldrums in West Texas. South Texas is doing pretty good. So I would say if you've got any coupons to clip, go south, young man. And uh, that Hebron is traditionally good areas. But I'm seeing good reports from uh, some of that country on the coastal prairie and so forth up towards Pleasanton. I've been getting good reports. In the Rolling Plains, I would say maybe Stonewall one of our better areas. I've got several good reports from there. Um, I always keep a track on or keep my eye on Runnels County, which I've always kind of thought is one of the best-kept secrets in West Texas. But the reports I'm getting from Runnels County are not great this year. Uh, again, uh, some of them have told me in the last three or four days, hey, could you raise my score a, a 
point or two because I'm I'm seeing these late bridges kind of thing. So there are there were always a few bright spots, but overall it's, it's going to be a a little bit of a discouraging season. Okay, my my last question for you. You can take your biologist hat off. I just want to talk to, to Dale, the quail hunter. What is the right. perfect the perfect shotgun to carry on a quail hunt? Oh, Billy, you know, <laughs> I tell you what I carry. I, I tell I was raised with a Remington eight seventy pump shotgun, twelve gauge, and I tell people if I was still mad at quail, that's what I'd. Do. I haven't been mad at quail in twenty five years. And I now shoot an over and under uh, Ruger Red Label 28 gauge, and I just love it. There you go. It's lightweight, and it doesn't hurt you at the end of the day. Dale, always good to talk to you. Sure do appreciate your hard work and sharing it with us. Thank you. I always, uh, if you if you have some observations, please give them my email address, drollins at quailresearch.org, and I'm always anxious to see what they're, what they're saying. We'll do it, Dale. Did you get that? drollins at quailresearch.org. And we've got it up there at kinderoutdoors.com for you, too, if you need to refer back to that. Hey, we're going to take a little break, grab a fresh cup of coffee, then come back and kick off another big hour. You don't want to miss it because Mr. Whitetail, Larry Wysoon, is talking to us about the benefits of urinating in your deer hunting spot. I'm not kidding. view from the porch is pretty awesome this time of year. Let's sit and visit a while at Kinder Outdoors. Hey, we're going to step back in time here at Kinder Outdoors. A couple of years ago, I had the privilege of interviewing a guy up in North Dakota named Rick Ellison. Something phenomenal happened to Rick. He went moose hunting for the first time in his life and shot what turned out to be the biggest moose ever taken by a bow in the United States. <laughs> Here's the story. Rick, good to have you on the show. Thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Uh, you never know what a day will bring. Uh, you you went out and shot just a, a mammoth moose, took this moose with your bow uh, a few days back, and uh, it turns out it's the new state record. And uh, first thing I have to say to you is congratulations. That's got to be pretty thrilling. It is. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I just got off the phone with Pope and Young, actually, and... Uh, I was going to order a plaque, and they said it's actually the number one in the United States at number 49 in the world. Oh, That's my cool. word. Oh, no kidding. Double congratulations, yeah. man. That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got a picture of uh, Rick and his new Pope and Young, U, number one in the U.S., uh, moose. What species of moose uh, was this? It's a Canadian moose. Uh-huh. And I guess you've been hunting moose all your life for a long time? No, uh, North Dakota, you, only, you can only get a once-in-a-lifetime tag. Really? I've been hunting other other big game for the past 20 to 30 years. Yeah. So how many times have you been moose hunting before this? Uh, never. Never? <laughs> I've, asked, I've helped other guys out. My uncle got a tag here five, six years ago, and I helped him get one. But that was about it. Wow. This story just keeps getting better all the time, Rick. It's awesome. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the day that you took your, your moose, you weren't even planning to hunt, were you? It was just kind of a spur-of-the-moment deal? Well, I was headed out 
we had been uh, spot uh, watching two other pretty good moose, and I was going to put a stand up in that spot, but our river bottom had been flooded, and it was just so muddy I couldn't get it in there by myself, so I was just going to wait for my buddy to come down. He was going to help me get it in there. This one was just standing on the bank when I was headed back up river. And uh, he turned and headed for the headed for the hills, and I knew of a back channel that I could go about a quarter mile away. And uh, I ran up that with my boat, beached the boat, and jumped out, and I could see him just coming through the willows. He had no clue I was even there. And he got about, I suppose, it was 10 yards inside the willows. And it gave me about a 25-yard shot through a like a basketball-sized hole in the willows. And I was able to get one into his chest and got along that way. Wow. Wow. What a, what a hunt. You know, it, it, we're talking to another guy on the show uh, today. Uh, he shot the new state record uh, West Virginia whitetail with his bow, big, beautiful 17-point buck. And he had hunted that, that, that particular deer for six years. And sometimes it happens just the opposite. You know, it happens in yeah. one morning and just worked out worked out absolutely perfect. Tell folks the uh, the measurements, and I know there's a drying period, and we're waiting for that, but uh, the measurements of this new number one North America Pope and Young moose. It was uh, 53 and 2.8 wide, and it ended up scoring uh, 190 and 6.8. Wow, what an incredible animal. Uh, and when you do something like this, when you achieve something like this, it, it's really good to have a few buddies to, to help because that's a chore. Oh boy, I couldn't have did it without them. <laughs> yeah. How did, how did how many guys came out to help and and how long did it take you? We had eight guys. Um, we, the moose actually went into some flooded back backwater and died, in, and uh, we were able to get to them with jet skis. And uh, yeah, we pulled them out to the main river with the jet skis and got them up on the sandbar. Yeah, took a bunch of pictures there and then tied them to a boat and we were able to pull them back to the boat dock. About six miles took us. Five, six, seven hours total. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a yeah. good day's work, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's it's quite the chore. Incredible animal, and uh, like I said earlier, we've got the the picture of Rick and uh, and his moose uh, at uh, bbkoradio.com. You guys were aware of uh, of a couple of other uh, pretty healthy moose that were running around up there, and that was kind of what was in your mind uh, when you went yeah. out. You guys didn't have any idea that this guy existed, or had there been stories? You know, you got a big guy, you got the the top moose in North America walking around. That's hard to keep a secret sometimes. Had, had there been stories? You know, I I don't think I ever seen him, but we were watching these other ones from about one and a half miles away from a vantage point uh, where we could see the whole river bottom, and uh, I just couldn't tell how big they were. I knew they were good ones. I just don't don't know if it was if he was one of them or not, and I don't think so. Yeah, my goodness. Well, I tell you, a once-in-a-lifetime license in North Dakota to hunt uh, moose, so you're done. You you yeah. uh, cannot draw again, right? No, I can get an elk tag or a bighorn sheep once-in-a-lifetime. Once-in-a-lifetime, and, boy, if you're going to draw a once-in-a-lifetime tag, there's there's nothing more you can do with it. You you fully fulfilled that tag uh, with the absolute best moose walking around in North America. And, uh, again, Rick, congratulations. What a great story. Yeah, thanks. Give us a good uh, moose recipe. You're going to have to learn how to cook moose now. Well, I got this thing processed already. And I had uh, it was 480 pounds of meat, and I got more sausage and steaks and hamburger, and, and you can 
it's going to feed us for a long time. What a story. Rick Ellison with his new North American record moose on his first and only ever moose hunt. <laughs> this corner of the camp house brought to you by Purina Pro Plan, the world's greatest dog fuel. Pick up the formula that's best for your dog at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Hi, I'm Eric Gerlinger from Lewistown, Montana. Come fish our walleye and hunt our elk. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. crappie fish much as I do? Hey, Mr. Crappie, Wally Marshall inviting you and your family to the Crappie Expo in Shreveport, Boulder City, October 1, 2, 3. The Crappie Expo is for everyone that loves to fish. More than 100 crappie fishing exhibits feature today's top gear, boats, electronics, and much more. The Mr. Crappie Invitational features the top 100 teams in America going head-to-head in the Red River Shootout Crappie Tournament. A quarter of a million is up for grabs. The richest crappie tournament in history. Don't miss the world's largest crappie fry at 11 o'clock on Saturday the 2nd. Fried crappie, taters, hush puppies, mmm, mmm. I'm also giving away $10,000 on Saturday and again on Sunday. You must be at the Crappie Expo to win. Cash is king. Crappie Expo 2021 is brought to you by Ford Trucks, Lou's, Strike King, Riceland Rice Brand Oil, Humminbird, The Boat Shop, and Bayou Outdoors Superstore. CrappieExpo.com. Hey, CrappieExpo.com. Wow. Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas are award-winning artists many times over. And for several reasons. God-given talent is the starting point, followed by a work ethic that won't allow second best. Roy is also a lifelong and well-traveled hunter. He spent countless hours in the field glassing and studying wildlife around the globe. When you trust your rare and timeless memory to True Life Taxidermy Granberry, be assured that you're working with the very best in the business. My home is a testament to Roy's work at True Life Taxidermy. The pheasants, the whitetails, the axis, the fish all perfectly preserved. True Life Granberry is the only stop you need to make after the hunt, offering not only world-class taxidermy, but wild game processing too. Headed for Africa, New Zealand, Colorado, Montana, or any place else? No problem. True Life is well-versed in import and transport state to state or around the globe. You can trust True Life Taxidermy. TrueLifeTaxidermy.org. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled. But we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids. And in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not into school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of Outdoor Adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics, and they smile while learning. If you want Outdoor Adventures in your local school, contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. At Classic Chevrolet Grapevine, we know all about the early morning memories made in the cab of the truck. 
because it's fun to um, be able to uh, do something with my dad and my older brother. So what time did you have to get up this morning to uh, to get all the way down here and dressed and fed and ready to go? 4.30. 4.30. Don't you normally get up about 4.30, though? Mm-hmm. No. no way. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's fun, though, when you're coming out to the dove field to get up that early. It's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yes. There you very. go. Did you see your daddy shooting at that dove right then? Yes. Do you see that dove still flying? Uh, probably. <laughs> at Classic Chevrolet in Grapevine, Texas, we know that the cab of the truck is a special place. It's where family heritage is carried down the trail. Important things happen here. Trusted conversations, understanding smiles, life's victories and laughter, sometimes tears. We're honored to ride along with your family. ClassicChevrolet.com. There are plenty of fish in the creek behind the camp house. Feel free to take a ride down from the wall and catch a few. Kinder Outdoors. Hey, this corner of the camp house is brought to you by Purina Pro Plan. Pro Plan Performance Formula. That purple bag with the sport label on it, that's exactly what you need for your hardworking bird dog. 30% protein and 20% fat. And you can pick up a bag today at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Kansas. And Missouri. You know, back in the spring, Larry Wysoon and I had a very interesting deer hunting conversation. It was about using the bathroom. (laughs) Here it is again. Hey, Larry, we're only about, I don't know, seven months and some days away from deer season now, something like that. (laughs) Can't start too early. (laughs) How is spring uh, going for you? Our spring in, in different parts of the state, and different parts of the country, seems to be going extremely well. We've gotten some nice rains in areas where we need them, and still some really bad drought in some of the other areas of, of Texas. But thankfully, the areas that I'm hunting, we're in pretty good shape right now. And, uh, <laughs> springtime, of course, means spring turkeys. We're about finished with that in most places, and getting ready to do a little fishing here and there whenever the opportunity comes. But I'll tell you, it all revolves back around to hunting deer a little bit later this fall, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's that's the kingpin. Everybody loves those white-tailed deer. I had a great turkey hunt the other day. I shot two gobblers and, and just sat there and watched the third gobbler, and he was about an 8-inch beard. Uh, and I could have shot three, and I thought, you know, I'd really like to get by, invited back out here. So I held off. <laughs> Well, you know, that's that's right. We do have uh, areas in Texas where we can take three birds. So it, that, that that is a blessing. Of course, a lot of things come up in the fact that we have some fair-sized ranches to where, you know, you might take a bird in this pasture, move over a little way and take another one and then another one. But uh, I think you made the right decision. Yeah, yeah. I just hold off and watch him. I had more fun. I love to, I love to uh, call those turkeys and have fun with them. Hey, I want to talk a little bit about spending time uh, in the pasture and deer hunting specifically. Invariably, nature calls when we're out there, <laughs> when we're deer hunting, and we spend those long hours out there. Does our human urine scent bother deer? I'm asking this question because I know you're a biologist. You probably looked at this before. I know some guys actually use human urine in scrapes. Uh, so there's all kinds of theories and stuff going around out there. What's your view? 
my view, based on many years and a lot of experience, uh, they can probably determine what human urine is for a grand total of about seven or eight seconds. After that, it's simply a uric acid, ammonia smell, and yes, you mentioned, uh, over, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Years ago when I lived in Uvalde as a biologist, I got to know an elder, elderly man who had taken some ungodly big deer. And he, it took me about four years of spending time with him before he finally told me how he was able to take some of these deer. And, he kind of cowboyed around, and he said, you know, the one thing I do in uh, during the hunting season when I start seeing the first sign of any kind of rutting activity, particularly you know, in terms of scrapes, he says, I drink a lots of coffee and lots of water. And he said, then every time I go by any scrape, he said, I urinate in it. And I said, really? I said, that doesn't scare the deer away? Said, oh, heavens, no. He said, if anything, it just makes that buck return to that scrape again and again. And he said, so... When I'm seriously hunting, he said, what I'll do, he, says, I, he said, I drink as much coffee and, and water as I can, and I visit every scrape I can and uh, kind of freshen it for the buck. And he said, <clears throat> really? And he told me the same thing. He said, I've never noticed that they paid any attention if there was any human aspect to the urine that, you know, was in the scrape that he deposited there. And he said, it just did they smell that freshened? area maybe they smell a bit of their you know smells maybe a little like a buck or again he said primarily as far as he was concerned it was just that ammonia and uric acid and it brought those bucks back again and again and again and again and since that time uh i've, I've done that numerous times to where i had a friend of mine out several years ago and he wanted to shoot a really particular big buck and i set it up where we were going to rattle close to where the scrape was and the last thing i did when i made certain that he was going to see me do it i walked over and i freshened the scrape about 50 yards away, and he goes. That's a good. That's a good way to put that. I freshened the scrape. That's a good way to put that. <laughs> and he I walk back, and he looks at me like, "You idiot! What are you doing?" I said, "Just, just wait, just wait." It wasn't five minutes. Here came the buck that we were looking for. I mean, an absolute monster buck that scored over 170, and and uh, he was able to take it. And the deer was walking right straight to the scrape. And when he shot him, the deer was actively working that scrape. Wow, isn't that incredible? Uh, I, you know, they just—I guess they just know that hey, someone's been here besides me. Uh, who knows? Who knows what they're knows? thinking? But it works. Years ago, it works. Years ago, when I hunted with John Wooders, and I credit John and, and Jerry Smith as kind of being the the two that uh, really created the interest that we have in, in material whitetails. John was the first to really start writing about mature whitetail hunting as opposed to just deer hunting, and Jerry Smith finally showed people what a mature deer looked like. But when John and I hunted together, we hunted out of tripods primarily, and the last thing John would do before he, he crawled up in that tripod is he would mark territory on, on all three of those legs. And, you know, again, based on the deer that I saw him take, I'm going, hey, he knows something there, by golly. Yeah, you watch and study what these guys do, and it's not nothing that they do out there is by mistake. And, you know, even if you thought about freshening a scrape before or not, nature calls uh, when we're out and about, and, and everyone has had to, to go pay attention to that from time to time, and and it runs through our minds. Golly, this is, I'm you know, the wind has shifted, and this is not good. Well, maybe it is good. <laughs> It, it, it uh, is. I, I've gotten to the point where I really don't concern about, you know, it, like I say, if nature calls, I just take care of business and and, uh, and then really start looking for deer. 
You bet. Absolutely. Well, listen, it's not long until uh, I'll see you somewhere up and down the road. We'll uh, we'll get together. We tried to go fishing and the wind blew us out, but uh, we'll get together and uh, and do something for too long. I'm looking forward to it. I get up there the, the Dallas to, for DSC and DSCF meetings all the time, so I'll holler at you when I get close that way. That sounds good. We'll get together and tell stories. By the way, uh, you're you're doing a, a great podcast now that folks can listen to that's uh, brought to you by our friends at the Dallas Safari Club. Yes, sir. It's called DSC's Campfires with Larry Weiss, and we changed the name from Untamed Heritage not too long ago because realized that so much of the things we were doing was kind of like sitting around a campfire, so it, you know, it only just kind of seemed appropriate that we do the name change. There you go. Yeah, and you can uh, we, you can check it out at uh, biggame.org. And, Larry, I'm sure uh, lots of other places, wherever you get your podcast, right? Yes, sir. Larry Wysoon, my buddy, Mr. Whitetail. Hey, you might have learned something new there, huh? The secret is out. Go make a scrape or two today. <laughs> This quarter of the camp house is brought to you by the world's greatest dog fuel. I'm so proud to be aligned with my friends at Purina Pro Plan. When I say it's the best, I truly mean that. Make the switch to Pro Plan with your dog and watch what happens over the next few weeks. A healthier dog. You'll be able to see it. Clearer eyes, cleaner teeth, a slicker, shinier coat. Purina Pro Plan. The formula that's perfect for your dog, yeah, it's waiting for you. At Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Hey, there have been a lot of new gun buyers over the past couple of years. I mean a lot, like record-setting every month. But who's buying those guns? Well, here's a little research that came out the other day that's pretty doggone interesting. The 2021 National Firearms Survey, designed by Deborah Azriel of Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and Matthew Miller of Northeastern University. An estimated 3.5 million women became new gun owners from January 2019 through April of this year, and about 4 million men became new gun owners in that period. 46.6% of new gun owners since January 2019, women. Among new gun buyers, 55% white, 21% black, 19% Hispanic, and the vast majority of these new gun owners, this is no surprise, say that they bought their gun for personal protection. Let's grab a cup of coffee and I'll meet you right back here. This is Kinder Outdoors. It's Gary Loomis. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Fish on! Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority, come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com. 
Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall. The Dead Rabbit Lodge. (laughs) You see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits. Therefore, the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Oahe. The view from your giant western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the dead rabbit. Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas Pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com and just down the road. After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt easily six, seven, eight groups. And we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit joshuacreek.com. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood.
we the people and our right to bear arms and our right to free speech gather here. This is Kinder Outdoors. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. This is Kinder Outdoors. Thanks for hanging out with us. We greatly appreciate that. Don't forget the website. It is Kinder, K-I-N-D-E-R, KinderOutdoors.com. Next weekend, we're going to be coming to you from Shreveport, Louisiana, down on the Red River for the Mr. Crappie Crappie Classic, $250,000 payday uh, at this crappie tournament. And then don't forget the Crappie Expo. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, this coming week. And I want to talk to Wally Marshall, the instigator of all this fun, about all this right now. Welcome back, Waldo. I'm glad to be back, man. I'll tell you what, you know, it's just been one heck of a year, man, just getting prepared for the Crappie Expo at Shreveport, Louisiana. Yep, it's coming up next weekend. It's just a week away now, and I bet you're not even sleeping at night. I've got 25 plates in the air. Six of them are wobbling. Got two of them cracked, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Crappie Expo is going to be in Shreveport, Louisiana this year. Now, it's moved. Every year, it started in Hot Springs a couple of years ago, and then it moved to Branson, Missouri, and then you threw everybody a curveball and moved it to Shreveport. What determines where you're going to go with Crappie Expo? I like to hold the uh, Mr. Crappie Invitational $250,000 tournaments, places where crappie fishermen haven't been before. A lot of tournaments are held on certain lakes, and everybody's got a brush pile, and everybody's got all this structure in the lake. I make it fair for all the contestants, if they're coming from Connecticut, coming from Florida, all over the United States, to compete for $100,000 first place. How about that? 250000 overall. Uh, to be handed out next weekend on the Red River. Now, you're going to have weigh-ins. If people are into crappie fishing, they can actually come out to the launch and the weigh-in, right? Oh, yes. Actually, uh, September the 30th at 7 a.m., we will be launching right there at Red River South Marina off of Highway 71 south of Bossier City. It's actually 250 Red River South Marina Road in Bossier City if people are looking for that location. And man, we're gonna have Cajun food, we're gonna have we're gonna have a party out there, Bill. <laughs> and that's this coming Thursday. Uh the fishing gets started on Thursday, this Thursday, September thirtieth. What time is the launch? What time is the weigh in? So that folks can plan their day. Thursday the and Friday is- at the boat ramp. The launch will be at 7 o'clock, and the weigh-in will be at 3 o'clock each day. We'll start out with 104 boats on Thursday, and then on Friday we cut the field to 50. So there will be 50, the top 50, going to for the $100,000 to get down to the final 25 for Saturday. And Saturday's weigh-in will be at the Shreveport Convention Center live on main stage. Let's talk about that expo a little bit. Uh, On Friday, you're going to kick the doors open for the third annual Crappie Expo. Yes, sir. It's going to be at 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Friday, October the 1st. Saturday is going to be from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And on Sunday is from 10 to 5 each day we have a concert at one o'clock. We got Mary Heather Hickman on Friday. She's got a new hit. 
There's a body in the Washita River. Man, I'm telling you, it's a killer song. We also got Jason D. Williams on Saturday uh, from Memphis coming in to play that piano. I love Jason D. Jason D. is the bomb, man. (laughs) You know, you get to come to the Crappie Expo. It's $10 to get in for adults. Kids 15 and under get in free. And and on Saturday, we have the world's largest crappie fry. Yeah. You know, all you have to do is get in line. And eat that good crappie. It's a lot of fun. And vendors, everybody in the fishing industry is going to be there. Yes. this The Crappie Expo was designed for the fishy, crappie fishing industry, manufacturers that produce crappie fishing products, or anything that a crappie fisherman would use will be at the show. And so what's cool about it, it's in October, so they're getting to see all of the new 2022 products and actually purchase them before they go to the shelves in the spring. Yeah, and you don't want to miss this. If you crappie fish, bank fish, boat fish, dock fish, whatever, come on out and have fun with us in Shreveport. It's coming up. The the, uh, tournament starts this coming Thursday, and then the Crappie Expo is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, Bill, we're giving away $10,000 on Saturday cash to one lucky person, and also $10,000 on Sunday. We're not going to do it once. We're going to do it twice. Waldo, I look forward to seeing you out on the boat ramp this coming Thursday morning at 7 o'clock when we send them off. Hey, thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you in a little bit. A big curveball for a lot of these crappie pros out on the Red River. They've got to go through these different locks. They've, a lot of guys have never done that before. You've got to figure out how to do it. It's going to be interesting to watch and see. It'll be a well-earned 100000 to the winner. Early teal, open in a lot of states. That gets the waterfowlers moving. And you know, duck hunters, goose hunters, waterfowlers, that's a, that's a different breed of individual. Ray Sasser wrote about it once. <laughs> you don't have to be crazy to be a duck hunter, but it helps. I was on my knees in the primordial ooze of a Chambers County rice field when that thought first occurred to me. Blue-winged teal almost outnumbered mosquitoes, and Forrest West, the rabbi of southeast Texas marshes, was single-handedly fighting the fast-forward ducks off his pitifully thin decoy spread. West's nickname has nothing to do with religion. It's more about his shaggy beard, hawk nose, and beer barrel physique that makes him resembled an unholy version of the stereotypical Jewish rabbi. Hunting ducks with a rabbi is an exercise in abuse. West never does anything the easy way. Take this hunt, for instance. We'd waded half a mile from the truck through a quagmire of mud. It was like walking through freshly dispensed superglue. West, in his sometimes wrong but never in doubt style, was extolling the virtues of a Japanese-made autoloader, a brand I'm pretty sure no longer exists. The rabbi was especially sold on the autoloader's reliability, considering that his usual stomping grounds are nature's equivalent of a shotgun torture chamber. This is how a real duck hunter cleans his shotgun, said the rabbi dipping his auto loader into the muddy rice-filled water and holding it at arm's length while water ran out the barrel is through a water hose with a modified choke. From the Playa Lakes of the Texas Panhandle 
to the shallow salt flats of the Laguna Madre. I've hunted gaudy green heads and elegant pintails with an assortment of real duck hunters. We've watched a tornado of mallards swirl down on an irrigation lake in western peanut country and hunkered in marshy potholes in hopes of luring a sharp-eyed model duck. Real duck hunters share common ground, but you can bet the ground is unstable, and so are the hunters. Why some people are immune to the whistle of wings and dawn's gray light remains great mystery, locked irretrievably into DNA, genetic imprinting, and other things that real duck hunters don't have time to contemplate. Let's hope that waterfowling is a disease that will never be cured. Texas would be a far poorer place without real duck hunters. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank the good Lord we don't have to be without Ray Sasser. We still have his great talent on tape and enjoy it just as much now as we did when he was writing for the Dallas Morning News for 30 years. Our camp house storyteller, the very best, Ray Sasser. Dr. Dale Rollins out in West Texas has put together the data that make up his annual quail report. We'll talk to Dr. Dale when we come back from the coffee pot. Hi, this is Clay Connor with Ducks Unlimited. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. I'm going to lay this out to you as simply as I possibly can because... It really is simple. Buy your cold weather wear from Ron and Teresa Miskin at the Buffalo Wool Company and stay warm. Gloves, socks, hats, beanies. I love my neck gaiter. All made from the insulating fibers of the American bison. The same fiber or buffalo wool that protects the buffalo against a frigid winter in Montana, Wyoming, or the Dakotas. Buffalo wool is warmer than traditional wool and it's luxuriously soft on your skin, not scratchy or abrasive. It wicks moisture away and is unbelievably tough, lasting year after year. And they back up what they sell with a 100% money-back guarantee if you're not happy. Take a look, thebuffalowoolco.com. Thebuffalowoolco.com. It's simple. The Quail Coalition the backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun, or listened from the porch to the summer song of the bobwhite, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org there are some very important factors to check when purchasing a hunting blind. They need to be quiet. They need to have an all-day hunt level of comfort. It's got to be dry inside, even in a downpour. 
Dillon hunting blinds have earned a strong reputation across North America for their durability, insulation, and marine decking fiberglass floor that will never rot in every blind. Plus smart components like an aluminum RV type door, real glass in the windows that flip in and up with quiet and simple to use friction hinges, drip rails on the windows and above the door to keep the wet out. Hey, anyone can build a box. Dillon builds hunting blinds. Conceived, drawn up, constructed, and used by hunters. Lightweight and durable, completely assembled, fiberglass inside and out, with foam insulation in between. You can't beat a Dillon. For a dealer near you or to become a dealer, visit DillonManuf.com. That's D-I-L-L-O-N-M-A-N-U-F. Com. Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas are award-winning artists many times over. And for several reasons. God-given talent is the starting point, followed by a work ethic that won't allow second best. Roy is also a lifelong and well-traveled hunter. He spent countless hours in the field glassing and studying wildlife around the globe. When you trust your rare and timeless memory to True Life Taxidermy Granbury, be assured that you're working with the very best in the business. My home is a testament to Roy's work at True Life Taxidermy. The pheasants, the whitetails, the axes, the fish, all perfectly preserved. True Life Granberry is the only stop you need to make after the hunt, offering not only world-class taxidermy, but wild game processing too. Headed for Africa, New Zealand, Colorado, Montana, or any place else? No problem. True Life is well-versed in import and transport state-to-state state or around the globe. You can trust True Life Taxidermy. TrueLifeTaxidermy.org. We swapped neighbor Jones some good cigars for an evening hunt in the honey hole. Come along with Kender Outdoors. I want to say hello to some folks like John Trice, Alvarado, Texas. John, thanks for listening to the show and visiting the website. Appreciate it. Philip Tamayo catches the show in Whittier, California. In Cannon City, Colorado, Jeff Bymiller dropped by the website and said hello. David Reeves lives in Pea Ridge, Arkansas. That's a classic. Pea Ridge. P-E-A. <laughs> and Brett Mather in Kyoto, Iowa. Thank you guys all for dropping by the website saying hello. And by the way, if you'll visit me at kinderoutdoors.com, you can register to win one of our, I'm wearing one right now, one of our cool new Kinder Outdoors t-shirts. They're awesome. You'll be the envy of the office, of the hunt camp, of the bass boat. Get you one, kinderoutdoors.com. We visited with Dale Rollins, Dr. Dale, out in West Texas about his up-to-date quail research. What's the season going to be like? Dr. Dale Rollins, welcome back. Always a pleasure. Always good to hear from you, Billy. Uh, you know, it's that time of year where we want to know uh, what you're hearing from around the country. Nobody's got their finger on the pulse of the Bob White quail of Texas or, or the blues any better than uh, than you. So how are things shaping up? It's been a wet year, and there's lots of cover. Well, Billy, I think overall people will be disappointed. Uh, we're, we're seeing more birds, but when they see the habitat and the, they see the rainfall records, they think if the rains will have quail. It's rained, but we don't have nearly the quail that that I, that you think we do it based on the habitat and the rainfall. And I think the biggest reason for that is we at least I'm talking about the rolling plains in West Texas right now. Uh, we just didn't have the breeding stock. 
over the last couple of years to capitalize on the good weather. And so uh, I'm thinking about it like the stock market. You know, you could be in a bull stock market, but if you didn't have any money to invest, you're not going to make much on your principal thing. And that's kind of where we're at. Um, I, I canvass my, what I call my quail trap line, which is 70 or 80 people across West Texas and South Texas. Most of these are anecdotal reports. They're not based on research, but they're, they're folks like you, Billy, that pay a lot of attention when you're out and you know your quail and you know what they've been and so forth, and so you're always concerned about them. And most of those scores uh, were probably in the three range, uh, some better, a couple worse. Um, blue quail numbers in West Texas, again, for the most part, not very good, maybe a little bit better than last year, but not very good. Now, having said that, i got to say things may be better than what gloomy forecast tells, and that is we've had a significant late hatch, birds being seen and uh, broods being seen in August. Uh, here we are in mid-September, still getting brood reports. We still have two quail, two radio collared quail, on, sitting on nest right now at, at the Rolling Plains Crow Research Ranch. So most of the time, I wouldn't say that it really adds all that much to our quail crop. But there's a potential this year, I think, for it to be a notch or two better on my 1 to 10 scoring system because of this late. Well, that is a uh, that is a bright spot. <clears throat> um, how many times, Dale, just curious, uh, how many times on average will a bobwhite quail nest over a summer, and what's the most you've ever seen? Oh, probably on average, I'd say about 1.2 nesting attempts per hen. Uh, we've had, uh, and you got to always separate, Billy, how many times will a hen nest? In other words, if one is broke up by a raccoon, she's going to re-nest. If nest two is broke up, and if it's not just deadly hot and deadly dry, she'll try again. So she might try up to four attempts. Now, the other side of that is how many broods do they produce? So, in other words, if hen one is sitting on this clutch of eggs and she hatches them, well, then she often will leave them with the daddy, with the rooster, and she'll go off and mate with another rooster and try to raise a second clutch. That's what we call double brooding, and you got to separate that from re-nesting because the re-nesting attempts are always going to be higher than the number of birds that actually do raise two or more broods. I think there was a bird up in uh, Iowa many years ago that was documented to hatch like four nests, but if we could get, uh, surely if we could get two nests for hen, could be living living in top cotton. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a fellow was asking me about this this past week, uh, that massive freeze that we had back in February, prolonged uh, cold weather, sub-zero weather for a couple of days, three days for some people. Um, did that affect our quail, or are they hardy enough to, to weather that? I think it had a significant effect, Billy. Um we don't necessarily have the proof of that, so I guess I should say I speculate that it did. At the Quail Research Ranch and two other ranches where we were dealing with radio mark birds, we didn't see, we did not see acute mortality, birds that were frozen to the ground kind of thing. But then over the next month, we had some really high mortality rates that we believe those birds were stressed from that cold period and thus probably 
more available to the uh, predator population, those hawks or mammals or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of things in the real world out here that have been happening three to four months late, what I would call plant phenology. Plant actually flowers on uh, June 1, and well, it'd be late June. So possibly tropical, uh, not tropical, winter storm, Yuri, uh, could have uh, messed up our clock just a little bit, if you will. And that could be the reason that we're seeing the, the pulse of late hatches that we've, we've seen. The birds that went into breeding season May 1 may have been stressed, again, suffering from stress from that winter storm, and it's taken them a while to come out of it. And, and anybody that's had COVID, I'm not saying quail have COVID, but I have, and once you have COVID and you're trying to recover, it's it's two to six weeks before you feel like this thing kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, give us a give us a a bright spot. Is there a county or two where you've raised an eyebrow and said, "Huh, those folks are are coming along a little better than most everybody else." Well, I could tell you about South Texas. South Texas is pretty much on fire again. It's the third year in a row that while in the doldrums in West Texas, South Texas is doing pretty good. So. I would say if you've got any coupons to clip, go south, young man. And uh, that Hebron is traditionally good areas. But I'm seeing good reports from uh, some of that country on the coastal prairie and so forth up towards Pleasanton. I've been getting good reports in the Rolling Plains. I would say maybe Stonewall, one of our better areas. I've got several good reports from there. Um, I always keep a track on, I'll keep my eye on Runnels County, which I've always kind of thought is one of the best kept secrets in West Texas. But the reports I'm getting from Ronalds County are not great this year. Uh, again, uh, some of them have told me in the last three or four days, hey, could you raise my score a, a point or two because I'm, I'm seeing these late bridges kind of thing. So there are there were always a few bright spots, but overall it's, it's going to be a, a little bit of a discouraging season. Okay, my, my last question for you. You can take your biologist hat off. I just want to talk to, to Dale, the quail hunter. What is the right. perfect... The perfect shotgun to carry on a quail hunt. Well, Billy, you know, <laughs> I tell you what I carry. I, I tell I was raised with a Remington 870 pump shotgun, 12 gauge, and I tell people if I was still mad at quail, that's what I'd. Do. I haven't been mad at quail in 25 years, and I now shoot an over and under uh, Ruger Red Label 28 gauge, and I just love it. There you go. It's lightweight, and it doesn't hurt you at the end of the day. Dale, always good to talk to you. Sure do appreciate your hard work and sharing it with us. Thank you. Uh, always, uh, if you're if you're looking for some observations, please give them my email address, drollins at quailresearch.org, and I'm always anxious to see what they're, what they're saying. Dr. Dale Rollins, and listen, if you missed that email address or uh, would like to hear the interview again, anything you heard today, it's all at kinderoutdoors.com, podcast available everywhere. I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together in this old camp house today and invite you back next time around. It'll be in Shreveport for the Crappie Expo. Until then, may God bless you and your bunch.